Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah, man? I'm chilling, man. It is a beautiful day and we got some great guests, so I'm chilling. How about yourself? Oh, as well, man. Juggling a bunch of things, you know, trying to buy a property still, doing that thing, hitting up past guests because they got all the knowledge and future guests have knowledge too, as you'll see from today's show. And speaking of future guests, we have a special guest for this episode 183 of your favorite Airbnb VRBO, short-term rental, long-term rental, Uber, Lyft, all that share economy stuff podcast in the world to live that thrive. And so let's get to it. So we got Yves Perez and Daj Anik. And so here we go. Yves and Daj are the founders of the new OTA booking platform for traveling workers called WorkBNB. That's coming to the market January 20, uh, 2022. They are also a powerhouse couple from Reno, Nevada, short-term rental industry yeah. with Daj, Daj beginning her career as a leasing agent in 2018, where she was exposed to construction companies trying to lease apartments in 2019. Yves gained his experience helping his mother's STR business pivot to traveling workers, which not only kept her business from going bankrupt during COVID, but transitioning from vacation rentals to workforce rentals grew her revenue by 300%. Then Daj and Yves met, began dating, then became a couple in 2020 and founded Uncanny Co-Hosting to help new STR owners pivot to traveling workers. And after analyzing data trends, this couple founded Work b and in April 2021. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Glad to have you on the show, man. So, so yeah, a little synopsis of your journey. So, so how did you get into the short-term rental world, uh, first of all? Go ahead. Okay, so um, I have been working in leasing, like you said, for, uh, I've been working leasing for two years, um, but I, I actually started uh, by trying to make my own Airbnb. I started uh, to rent out a room in my own little apartment, and that honestly didn't go well at all. At, <laughs> like, so I literally shut down my account, didn't uh, touch it again for, I'd say, like two years until I met Yves and um, he told me all about, the, uh, I was actually inspired about the short-term rental industry um, with his, the company he was working in and um, that inspired us to start Uncanny Co-Hosting together. Yeah. Which is a short-term rental brand. Yeah. And, and my experience was really kind of like forced. Um, in 2019, I got a call from my mom and she said that she bought a plane ticket. Um, I needed to get my butt to Reno because she got a contract from a company to house 65 people coming to Reno for work. Wow. So she had to set up 23 apartments in three weeks. So literally I got this phone call where it's just like, I bought a plane ticket. You got to get here, you know? And I was like, uh, mom, I have like marketing clients and things going on. And I was just like, well, if I ever want to get invited to Thanksgiving again, I better get on this plane. <laughs> so, uh, so I got up here and once I kind of got into her business and became, she, she kind of promoted me to a job she called co housing coordinator. And I, 
I had a marketing background. So I, I analyzed her previous um, guests and I said, mom, do you know that 65% of your bookings are like business travel related? And the largest trip category you have or stays that are over 30 days. I was like, these are not vacations. So, mm. you know, once we started to analyze like market forces and, and, you know, I, I basically looked at COVID too. And I said, you know, this is not going to turn out well for vacation rentals going into 2020. That was my prediction to her. So I said, you know, you're already doing a lot to appeal to uh, business travelers and you're getting corporate clients that are asking you to set up housing. So I said, let's transition and pivot. Let's call your product workforce rentals and let's just focus on this so that when, you know, like Airbnb did all those cancellations in 2020, like we already were, we're already 75% booked into the future of 2020 with traveling workers. So you know, at the end, we were at 95% occupancy through 2020. You know, we, we just kept running in this lane. And that data gave us more information than we could have ever imagined. Like, <laughs> so, so that's our journey. Wow. I love how you changed your branding to Workforce Rentals. That, that's marketing at its finest. I love that. So well, I got I to gotta tell you the little secret to that is you have to attach to something that's already like a trend, right? And the trend that we attached ourselves was workforce housing. If you Google workforce housing, it is a massive conversation in every state in the United States. Like there's mayors, there's governors, there's all kinds of municipalities asking for workforce housing, but it's in two buckets of conversation. One is affordability, like can you make the housing like more affordable for our workers? But the other problem that they're talking about is accessibility. And that's because projects that like, let's say construction projects, you know, they have to bid on a project first. So they can't just book in advance on a project that they're bidding on. They have to win the bid. And once they're awarded the bid, that's when they can make their travel arrangements. So having access is a problem. And when, they, when, they, when they're sending out 30 employees, access becomes a huge issue. Ooh. Now, now I have a question. How do you, because you, you have a marketing background, so I know this is going to be easy for you to attack. How do you target those traveling professionals? Uh, keywording, number one. So using the language that they use. They use workforce, workforce, workforce. <laughs> I mm. mean, it's, it's their word. <laughs> so we, we took it and we used it as a way to brand and pivot with workforce rental. It makes sense when they hear it. They're like, oh, this is for me, not for vacationers. So they get it quickly. And, you know, from a marketing perspective, we call it stickiness. If it sticks, they're going to talk about it in all of their circles. The word of mouth will get out. I stayed at a workforce rental. Okay. So I see the name workforce B&B, work B&B. Okay. Yeah. 
Now, you, you, you said at the beginning, you, you predicted travel would change for vacation rentals. And I, I, I'm kind of seeing the same thing. Are you seeing travel changing in a good way? Meaning more people are going to use those vacation rentals because they can work from home and they can, they're, you know, they can work from home and work from anywhere. What, what changes do you see? All right. So real quick, let me, let me just break down some numbers real quick. Let's, let's, uh, all right. So I'll do the first top three and then you do the others. So, so first of all, you have to understand what has already happened to predict the future. Okay. So in 2019, there were 464 million business trips in the United States. Okay. There was $290 billion spent on business travel. 20% 20% of that went to lodging. Now go ahead, Dodge, with the other numbers. Yeah, and in, there are actually 55 million essential workers in the United States. Uh, 1.7 million of them are traveling nurses, 10 million are construction workers, and 37 million of them are remote workers. Oh, wow. man, that, that wow. is... That's powerful numbers right there. See, We've it, been chasing the wrong crowd, man. Well, okay, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yes, we have been chasing the wrong crowd. And remote workers has accelerated to the point where one-fifth of Airbnb's business is now stays 30 days or longer. One-fifth of their business. That's $260 million per quarter being spent on a vacation rental platform. So this is a workforce that's, that's, it's a square and they're trying to use, put this square in a round hole. It's not working right. So by building a platform for them, it's going to solve those accessibility issues. It's going to help them with one of the biggest things that is needed right now, which is boosting employee morale. If you guys have noticed, there's a great resignation going on because Mm. employees are not happy. And for years, for years, guys, I'm not joking. These poor construction workers, journeymen, linemen, the guys that climb up uh, power poles to keep the power on after a big storm, these guys are used to sleeping in motels for months, Mm. okay? When there's an accessibility issue, They just give up and they go, okay, we'll just stay in a motel or worse or worse. So, you know, there are, this, this is like a, a big underserved market. And that's why we're so excited to start the platform. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go to Steve. Yeah, no, no, that's awesome. Because like, like we we said earlier, we've been chasing the wrong crowd because uh, we've been, mostly we talked about this show on this show is travel nurses, right? We even had the the founder the other, you know, a few weeks ago, of uh, Furnish Finder, and we had him on the show. And so it's and his is built built for, you know, mostly for travel nurses. Every now and then someone will come on that platform and say, hey, I'm in town, maybe doing construction or something like that, you know, or an IT job. But it's mostly built for travel nurses. And where, so my question is, where did they, where did all these, um, these remote, uh, these mobile workers, whatever you, or you call them, this workforce that, that travels around, you know, doing construction and stuff like that. And, and um, where did they, where did they find housing before? Where did they look for it to find housing? You know, okay. So one thing is, and I, I actually listened to the interview with, with, um, I believe his name is Dan uh, yeah, over uh, at Furnish Finder. 
Yeah, Payne. Brian. Payne. Right. Brian so, Payne. so you know, in his model, it's kind of like let me get out of the way, right? But in this journey, it's it's not the stipend traveler that we're concerned about. We're talking about bulk travel, okay? So that means you have to have a completely different user journey. And the user journey is typically like this. It begins with an HR administrator, an office manager, an office assistant, or somebody in operations. And there's a job for this. They, they, the new job is called uh, travel manager. And it's this person's job to book travel. Now, now think about this from this perspective. Today, if you were to go onto any OTA, any booking platform, doesn't matter what it is, it typically asks you to type in one search at a time, right? Now imagine you, you're the head of some construction company that operates in 14 states. You're bidding on the top 20 projects in every large market in that state. And you're winning bids like crazy. Now you have to send out like 30, 60, 90 something employees like every like few months, right? This poor person has to search one search at a time for each person at a time. And it becomes such a headache that they typically give up and they just call a motel and say, give me like 10 rooms. Yeah, yeah. Right? Give me 20 rooms, right? So this user journey is more of an enterprise account, okay? Which gives us more leverage to verify the company, the company's assets, how healthy the company is. And we can also diversify payment structure, okay? So for example, a construction company typically doesn't like using debit cards or credit cards for transactions. They like doing wire transfers, yeah. <laughs> okay? So, but, but again, here's what the user journey should look like. And this is what we're building for the platform. That if this office administrator, Susan, this is what Susan's job is. And Susan is used to spending eight to 12 hours a day booking for people, right? Now she will be able to do what's called a bulk search where she can grab properties and drop it into a shopping cart and pay at one time. Mm. Mm. That's never been done before. Okay. So it sounds like with work B and B you're more or less catering to, yeah, list your property be here, but we're going to go and get the travel managers to go ahead and book those properties on your, on the traveler's behalf. Therefore. Right. Oh man. I love that. Love you guys it. love that? Good. I love that. I, I, love that. I, was, I was really worried. I was like, these guys got to love it. They got to love it. Yeah, <laughs> man. So, okay. You know, proof of concept is, is one thing, but, you know, beta testing is next. So, okay. So, and this is another thing. You guys, you guys are definitely, y'all know the numbers and everything. Do y'all have like data of where these remote workers are go currently going? Like, since they're the biggest margin, do like, we have data of, hey, they're going to Seattle to remote worker. You know what I'm saying? Do we have that data? So, so on the remote worker side, and I'll just answer this part real quick. 
uh, I'm the data guy. I'm the, yeah. I'm like the, I'm the guy <laughs> the that's just always that. in the, in the numbers. Uh, I swim in numbers. So, so remote workers have no rhyme or reason. In fact, most of their travel patterns are based on three things, family. Okay. So imagine like, let's say, you know, you grew up in Ohio and you moved to San Francisco to work for Apple. Right. And you've been away from your family for a couple of years. Now it's like, hey, because I can work from anywhere, I can go back home to Ohio and kick it with my mom on the weekends. And then I can go down to Texas next month and I can go to New York for a wedding next month. You see, there's no real rhyme or reason when it comes to remote workers. It's usually family interests like we're up here near Tahoe. A lot of remote workers coming from San Francisco to go skiing. So it's based on those activities. And the other thing that is trending is a term, a new term called workations. And it's going to be our job as work BNB to pitch to companies to book us for their workations. So it's like, hey, if you have a certain executive, they're doing a deal in Tampa with another tech company, they're going to be there for 30, 60, 90 days until the deal is done. Mm -hmm. Book your next workation with us. I guess that's one th- that's one thing I noticed with um, with Airbnb in particular, right? You said that one fifth of their business comes from uh, remote work remote workers, or, or yes, yes. Okay, so he- here's the crazy part because I I noticed that um like like people that that maybe reach out through us through Airbnb they want to talk outside the platform, right? Because right. because I mean it's a book three months, six months through Airbnb would kill them in fees, right? No, it's it's not so much that. It's just the fact is remote workers are still kind of like booking for themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And when they're booking for themselves, they have like lots of things that they're thinking about doing while they're there. Like they're not just there to stay in your unit. They're They're on like a little mini vacation too. I want to go to a couple shows. I want to go to this, 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 this. So it's all in their budget, right? Mm-hmm. Now, this is the one thing why they want to take it off platform. It's because Airbnb actually penalizes them for a couple of things. Number one is if they stay for a long period of time, right? They're already going to pay like a 14% service fee, right? Now, they're not worried about that. What they're worried about is if they have to extend Mm. because that extension, no matter how long it is, jumps up to like 20 something percent. Mm -hmm. So it's to them. It's like, I don't know if you guys have noticed. Have you ever seen somebody book for just like a week or two and then try to extend off platform? Off platform? Uh, Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like they stay for they just book for a week. And they're like, hey, I really need it for longer. It's because they they are trying to save that service fee. But here's the other thing. They don't know if they need to extend right away. That's the big nuance in platforms. Mm. Vacations have a very strong beginning and end. Mm. Usually you never extend for a vacation. You go home. You got to go back to work. 
but in the the traveling worker field something happens on a project site i need to stay for another three months they need right. to be able to extend and that's where the biggest problem is on platforms today right right huh. that's that's cool um yes yeah, so so we have a lot of questions here, actually. <laughs> you got- hey, shoot them off. We're excited. We, we're, we're here for it. <laughs> okay. So, so, so Dodge, what do, you, what do you do in the business? What is your specialty? Yes. So I'm the president of WorkBnB. Um, I also am, um, sorry. <laughs> Let me just restart. <laughs> so um, my role as president is, um, is board leadership board leadership yeah and um our board is 50 percent women and our company is 100 percent minority owned mm. um, nice. yeah for the, tech, for the tech industry it's really sad when women don't have a seat on the board so she really had to bring you know a lot of a lot to the table for that but it's amazing to have her vote you know from a female's perspective it's amazing yeah um, I'm also heavily involved in user interface design. So um, we're uh, in a lot of meetings and discussing uh, requirements documents um, and uh, for how the app's gonna flow and uh, developing different features for the app. I'm heavily involved in that process. Um, and also um, I'm involved in product development. Oh, nice, nice. So, so like, um, I guess, I guess what, uh, what spirit or what angle do you bring to the company? You know what I'm saying? Cause yeah. it's a, yeah, it's a, it, it has been a male run industry for a while, mostly male run industry, but, but when short terms, short term rentals came along, it, it that's kind of like, you know, a lot of, a lot of women have got involved in that. And so, yeah, what do you, yeah. What, what essence do you bring to the company? Yes. So, um, I am involved in, sorry, um, I, prototypes. So I'm involved with the WorkBB prototypes. Also, um, I helped with the Hometelier certification program and app development, including requirements, the requirements documents, which details the user journey. Um, but I also help with, or sorry, um, I'm also a part of the creative process when it comes to work B&B prototypes. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, this is like our first podcast. We're like both nervous here, like <laughs> so excited to be on with you guys. So, but I got to give this woman her flowers because we, we came to a, a really big decision when we decided to build the platform we decided to not follow the footsteps of other OTAs. And one of those footsteps was quick to list. They, these other OTs make it so easy to list that it allows scammers to just, mm. you know, they can screenshot your listing photos today and go and put up a listing in Florida and get a few bookings, take the money, but it's not real. It's not what it was what is what it was and they can close their accounts and there's reports about this type of behavior on like work bnb and other platforms so what we decided to do is to create standards to list 
And you have to follow these standards. And one of the biggest standards was you have to have a desk in your unit. The units also have to be full homes. They can't be shared rooms. They have to be individual, even if they're studios, it's gotta be a whole home to be listed on our platform. Mm -hmm. And once we decided to do that, we also decided to implement a hospitality training program. And you have to pass a test to get certified to be listed on the platform. <laughs> so, you know, these like little things are typically what are called like barriers to entry. And most startup startups don't want to do that because they want like volume. They want like these big growth, you know, numbers. But we look at it this way. We have already in a few months gained a lot of traction with hosts online through Facebook and Clubhouse. And so, so we already have like a lot of early adopters that are willing to get on. They're just like, okay, I'll go through your process. You know, I want this demographic and, you know, they have to pass Dodge's certification pro uh, 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 product. Yeah. And they will get a certificate that they can put on the wall. So it's, it's a really, you know, nuanced kind of thinking. Oh, that's cool. It feels like they're like part of something, you know, they got skin in the game. But it, it also, it also feels good. I have to tell you, it feels good to be able to like take a test, pass the test and know that everybody who I'm, who I'm on this platform with, had to go through the same thing. And also from the guest perspective, they get the same experience from one work BNB to another work BNB. And that's really important. Also like it's uh, you're the McDonald's of um, supplying <laughs> housing to, to workforce. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, you, and you, the certificate actually yeah. is what um, like certifies that uh, or verifies that you're getting the the guest is getting the same quality every time they they book a, a work B and B. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. basically, you're going quality over quantity. You're not McDonald's. You're Chick Fil A. Well, here's the thing. Here's here's the let let me tell you what the sexy part is, though, guys. The sexy part is that this platform is going to be data driven. So these travel managers, office managers are gonna be able to upload their schedules into the software. And that will give us predictive data that we can then pass on to you as hosts so that you can see which area is the new hot opportunity zone to open up units. And then also, and this is, this is very typical with large projects, the projects can be so large enough that we have to then work with you to open up new units because there were not enough units in that market. I like that. <laughs> See, and that, that goes back to the question I asked earlier. I'm like, do you know where they're going? You already have the system set up to get that data. I love that. So <laughs> you really, man, I wish I would have ran it to you like a month ago. Cause I gotta, if I turn this whiteboard around, I have a whole system of how to drive people to my units because I have to do it. Like I have to go on LinkedIn. I have to advertise. Your platform's taking that part out of it. I love that, man. That, that's dope. Yeah, thank that you. Uh, so, so, yeah, so talk about a scenario like that happening, right? So let's say I have 
I have like five units here, you know, and and in in the Dallas area, and someone and and you hit me up and say, hey, someone needs um, needs ten units. I, what do and I need? I need you to get five more units. So, so what's the next step? What happens? Woo! I'm glad you guys asked. I'll i can I answer this one? I love, I, love this. <laughs> I love this one. Okay, so so again, we did all the work. We analyzed these companies. We talked to these managers. We we we. We had to figure out what their pain points were, right? So we had to like come up with like real scenarios. And also my experience working with my mom's operation taught me a lot too. And the call comes in like this. Hi, uh, you know, ABC, short-term rental company. Um, We're a golf course construction company doing a project on this course around the corner. You know, we need seven three bedrooms and two one bedrooms. Can you do that? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a lot of pressure on an individual, you know, small business to say, wow, like I have five units, but I don't have five or seven three bedrooms. I mean, I only have what I have. So on our platform, we had to like create a user journey where these companies can do what's called a bid search. Okay. So so on this platform, there's going to be five ways to search. One of them is a bid search. And it is exactly what it sounds like. They basically have a project. We have verified the project. We know how many people are traveling. And they can put out a bid to that market. And you get an alert on your phone that says, this company needs housing for this many guys. Do you want to participate? Here's what the nightly rate per person, per night, for this much time, they're going to pay and you can respond and say, yeah, I'm willing to take that. Or you can counter and say, no, it's gotta be like $10 more for me to join. But what it does is it gives that area an opportunity to participate in that that bid search. But on top of that, If there's not enough units, like size of units that they're requesting or so on and so forth, what we do is we broker the deal with the company to pay you to set it up. Mm. So then everything is lined item, all the furniture, the moving costs, setup costs, and the companies are required to pay the entire stay up front. Mm. So if 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 they're staying for like six months, nine months they got to pay the entire thing and you get it nice nice (laughs) that's kind of cool man because i mean i guess the hardest part is oh okay you know like i said i could provide five but they need ten so i gotta go five i gotta go find five more units you know if if no one else feels feels that void right 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 and and i mean here's the thing these these companies you know, they, they have no excuses. When you, when you, when you're a construction company, you bid on a project, you are giving your word as let's say, you know, uh, let's say Alston construction or, or Ames construction, or, or it doesn't matter. Whiting Turner. I mean, these are, these are giant conglomerate companies. They put in a bid for housing their employees. It's in the bid. Mm-hmm. And they base it on per night per person. So if you have a four bedroom house and there's not enough access, they're willing to pay you a certain price per person per night. So 
that four bedroom house typically would have gone for like 350 a night or 400 a night. If they were willing to pay 125 per person per night, you got 125 per night <laughs> times four people because again, the accessibility was with you. So right. you're going to make more money with companies. Oh, yeah. As something that comes to my mind. Oh, sorry, Micah. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, okay, go, okay. Go, go ahead, Steve. I got you. Okay. <laughs> Remember it. Don't, don't forget it. All right. And, 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 and so I guess something that comes to mind is, okay, I, you know, I'm always looking for, for rental arbitrages, right? Always looking. And, of course, I'm always, well, always you know, looking for, for places to buy as well. But rental arbitrages, we're looking for houses, trying to, you know, get houses over here, rent them furnish them, rent them out to either, you know, either short term term or, you know, travel nurses or long term, you know, to a company like yours. And so it, it's very hard. It's very hard now because, you know, it's it's like it's not a novel thing anymore. People hitting up these houses for rent and saying, hey, can we do, you know, can we sublease to, you know, to companies or whatever, you know, however they word it, they, they right away, they know this, this is Airbnb pitch. I know we, we get 100 of them a day, but but if that construction company or whatever company it is says, all right, I need a place for six months. Okay. You can find me a three bedroom. Here's 20 grand. Boom. I'll send it to you. And I could walk up to that house owner and say, homeowner and say, Hey, six months, I'm gonna rent your place. Here's 10 grand up front. Let me do it. I'm going to put some, I'm going to put some workers in here. If they see that 10 grand I'm holding in front of them, they'll probably say yes. Instead of just hoping that they're going to rent the place to me. I don't know. It just came to my mind. I don't know if that, that would be a scenario, but. Well, well, here's the thing. This is actually what's going to make rental arbitrage more sustainable, in our opinion, because traveling workers, essential workers, they book better. Uh, go ahead. You could, you could elaborate a little bit more on that, too. Mm -hmm. So essential workers book better because. First of all, they're there for work. They're not there to party and have fun. So they're trying to get a promotion, not get fired. They're not gonna tear up the place. Their company is paying for it. So um, also they're gonna uh, be, they're gonna, you're gonna make more money with essential workers because they need longer stays. Most of the time they book uh, for five days up to a few months with, uh, or with essential workers instead of vacation who just maybe book will book two nights a week yeah and then here's the other here's the other thing property managers and this is where dodge comes in you know when we when we were talking to when i was first talking to dodge i wanted to know more about how property managers really kind of thought about this and and she verified this you know just from her own experience that you know they don't like risks <laughs> And Airbnb is like this huge risk right now. It's, it's in all of their conferences. You're starting to see lease agreements that specifically say you cannot list on these platforms mm -hmm. because the risk is just too great for them. Mm -hmm. But see, here's the thing. It's a different conversation when you come in and you say traveling workers, 30 plus day stays. They're a little more like, hey, I'm willing to work with that. Number one, because... It kind of represents the community as well, that these aren't vacationers in our neighborhoods. These are actually workers, just like you and I, we're workers too. So, uh, but again, projects are happening around the clock. 
I mean, I don't know what area you guys are in, but I'm sure every other day you're passing by a construction zone, you know, or some new project is coming up and so on and so forth. These guys need places to rest their heads. And uh, the way to boost their morale right now is to give them a comfortable bed to sleep in and a kitchen to cook out of. And they're super grateful too. <laughs> they never write any bad reviews. They don't complain. They're like, you know, oh, something's, you know, leaking under the sink. I'll fix it. It's funny you say that. Leisure travelers are the worst. I've noticed that. Uh, people coming just as vacation, they're the worst. You, you definitely have a point there. I do have a question, though. And me, me and my partner were talking about this yesterday. Now, sure. when, you're, when you're catering to these workforces or this company, they're sending these employees. Uh, what, what, what's the background check like on each employee staying there? Is there a background check or is there like a security deposit charged to the company? So if these workers ruin the place, we can at least get like a security deposit from the company. How does that work? Yeah, so we implemented, we, uh, implemented policies and procedures um, already for the, for the app. And um, one of those, yeah, policies is a deposit for sure. Um, and it's because companies are used to paying deposits. Um, you know, and I mean, here's the thing. Companies have tried doing this on their own. Like I've talked to the project executive of the entire state of Nevada for construction companies called Ames Construction, 74th largest industrial general contractor in the United States. And he literally told me, he said, bro, I've tried to do this. I've rented furniture. We had to ship it across country. He's like, it would have saved me so much money just to throw away the furniture every single time we were done with the project. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's, that's the problem that's going on in this space. So, but these guys have had to do it and they've had to, uh, you know, get creative, put down big deposits, rent furniture. It's, it's a, it's a logistical nightmare for them. Yeah. But they're trying desperately to keep their employees happy. That's why they were, that's why they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And they only resort to motels when they need to, when they can't find this stuff. So now here's the thing that we are going to implement to also level up our industry. We are going to implement incidental charges to these corporate clients. Because see, the thing is, you're not always going to get a blue collar worker on the work BNB app. There are also traveling executives and executives are bougie. I, that's, that's just a nice way to say it. <laughs> so, so just like a hotel, you know, you have some incidental charges, you know, you, you, you want to pop into some, you know, extra things in a unit or you want some extra services. There's a, 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 a charge that was made to the company to cover incidentals. So if you want to go to, you know, fulfill, like, let's say a request that the traveling worker is vegan um, and he wants an air fryer, instead of you, ain't, you having to take it out of your profits to go get it, you can take it out of the incidental charge. Mm. Yeah. Like nice. Now, you, you, also, oh, I was going to say, we also have a feature for that too, where, um, we uh, will provide, we'll go, we have 
trained professionals that will go and take care of that task for you. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, guys. We, <laughs> we, we, we don't talk about it much. We, we, you know, we haven't released a lot of the information about this, but WorkBNB will have a marketplace that will act as a gig economy so that hosts are not having to do all this work by themselves. They can put out a gig to an assistant and it will ping that person's phone. Think of like Uber Eats and all that kind of stuff. You went through this certified training. You have, you're wearing a shirt. You go and you, you, you can drop things off. You can pick things up. You can you know, do all sorts of little you know, tasks to help this economy grow. Mm. And we have different levels ranging all the way from those little tasks up to actually managing someone's whole entire unit. Yeah. You, 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 you just dropped a bomb about two minutes ago. I don't know if anybody caught it, but you just <laughs> dropped a heavy bomb. You said you talked to the construction worker over all the construction projects in Nevada. Now, oh, yeah. how, would, how would somebody go about getting in touch with that dude for a different state? Let's just say the state of Texas. <laughs> okay. All right. So, I mean, here's the thing, guys. Um, there's something that we can all do today to get in this lane like you can like there's it's like a river and all you have to do is just jump in okay so one thing you can do is join your local builders association okay so these are builders that you know they're 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 kind of made up of like contractors subcontractors um uh individual like builders so like like little mini developers maybe they develop like five apartments or flip prop apartment you know what i mean they they do building on like that kind of scale right and a builder association is a membership and you pay the membership fee and see now the thing is they have categories in the membership they always want to categorize you and you would typically get categorized in real estate because there's always like real estate agents in every association. They're always trying to get leads, right? So you get listed with the agents, but here's the cool part is that every builder association has what's called a new member spotlight in like the newsletter. And what you have to do in that spotlight is say, Workforce housing, workforce rentals, where, you know what I mean? Like talk to them and say, we have units, da, 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 da. And what you're going to do is you're going to get phone calls from the actual managers themselves. And they're going to ask you, hey, you know, like, we, yeah, we, we, we got this project. We got this bid. We got this. We got that. But here's, a, here's another bonus gem. I'm going to give you guys some bonus gems here, okay? Oh, man, this is one of my favorites. So by joining the Builders Association, you get an opportunity to double dip. What, what, what I mean by, by that is you're going to meet builders who are currently renovating properties and you're meeting them during renovation. So let's say they've got like five apartments they're renovating or 10, they're doing 10 units. And this is before they, they start leasing, right? They're going to call you up and say, hey, I heard you do short-term, you, you know, this is your, 
do you want to do you want some units i got like five or ten you know <laughs> so this is something that we're not thinking about in the short-term rental industry but i'm glad to talk about it <laughs> that, yes please talk more about that that's that's awesome <laughs> It's the synergy. They call it synergy. It all works together. Yeah. Yeah. But, but once you, once you join the, the member association, see what, what you need to know is that it's not the actual construction worker. That's, that's, that, that's not who you're going to meet in the association. You're going to meet the project executive, the project manager, the site supervisor. Those are the people that you need to talk to. Hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Now, now, just going back to one thing that you said to be on your site, it has to be like, a, you know, a whole like you can't rent out rooms in a house. Right. 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 So, so and why is that? And because I just say because I did. I mean, I haven't hosted a lot of construction people, but I did have a house over there. I do have a house in Arlington that I, I was doing a corporate uh, rent, rental out of. And I did happen to get a like a I wouldn't say construction crew, but like more like the the guys that do the planning for the construction you know and so the, it was a it was about it was about three or four of them at any given time you know they shuffle in and shuffle out and they you know they were they were visiting from like st louis or something or they were here for st louis doing some some work in arlington so but they were content with the the four bedroom house i was I, they wanted to rent one house and have a room for each dude is is so why would that why do you not like that on your platform so, so the first reason is because, you know, that was a model that was created for home sharing, which was a totally different demographic. If you, if you actually look back at Airbnb's original pitch deck, their target market was budget focused millennials. And the whole premise was to get rental space that was cheaper than a hotel, which rooms provided that, right? But again, we're at a different like level, a totally dim different demographic where the company is trying to boost employee morale, right? Mm -hmm. so, so if they have to share a home because of accessibility, that's okay, but they want it to themselves. They want it without distraction because the guys have to sleep. Sometimes these construction workers, they're doing like night shifts where they're doing, you know, like have you ever seen that where a project is like lit up. In the, so mm -hmm. they're sleeping during the day. They right. can't have these disruptions. So when you have a totally different, you know, demographic that you're focused on, you have to appeal to that demographic in a large way. But also here's the other thing. Room rentals, individual room rentals are very small margins, okay? So if you've noticed, and you guys have been on Airbnb for a number of years, mm -hmm. have you noticed that the, the service fee keeps going up? Mm -hmm. It's because there's a bunch of one bedroom or, or a single room individual bookings that's not bringing enough revenue to handle the scale that they're growing at. So they need to raise the service fees <laughs> to get to profitability and for us we're like no thanks let's just focus on these larger units with larger margins so that we can stay at a lower service fee and our service fee is predicted right now to be at five percent service fee i love okay. it yeah that was going to bring me to my next question how do y'all how do y'all make money off this yeah so so uh 
so the main thing is to not double dip. <laughs> I think it's I think it's a horrible practice. Um, charging the guest the service fee and charging the host the service fee. It just doesn't make sense. It's mm. it's a it's a it was it was like a model that was adapted to a company that didn't know what it was gonna be when it grew up, right? Mm. So so for us, we're looking at a five percent like top, right? But that's paid by the actual company, okay? Mm. Because to the company, that's palatable, okay? Now, on the host side, we have a fee structure, okay? So number one, we're gonna charge you a small listing fee, okay? Like 10 bucks per listing, okay? You pay that, it's an annual fee. Then there's a free version of the app that gives you like these very basic services, but remember I was telling you about the predictive data? That data is available to you if you pay the upgraded subscription cost. So that'll be a monthly service fee that gets you access to a bunch of cool like data points, all different kinds of things to help you scale up your business. And all your, so think of like Spotify, like it's just coming out of your account. Like you're not having to like, sweat over like the payment details and be like damn they paid <laughs> this crazy number like no five percent for them and then you over here you play a you pay a subscription fee okay and so what is the monthly subscription fee if you want all that data so right now we're we're we're, we're still in the final <laughs> phase of pricing that out but it's going to be pretty palatable it's probably going to be like either a five dollar or a nine dollar a month subscription fee Okay. And then, so it's 10 bucks for the whole year to have a listing on there. Is that correct? Yeah. Just, yeah. You just pay the little listing cost. And, you know, again, here's the thing. We know that we're going to bring serious operators over to our platform. There's going to be operators that have like 50 plus units that are going to mm -hmm. want to get in on this. Right. So it's not that we're trying to make a fortune on the listing fees. We're trying to balance it out so that these service fees aren't going up every year, which on Airbnb they are. Mm. Nice, nice. Okay, another another question. I don't know. Okay, so when they're signing these leases with us, right? Three months, six months, whatever. Now, what happens if they want to, like, you know, arrive on the fifteenth and leave on the 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 fifth of the month, you know, that kind of screws up our our thirty day calendar thing. Is there anything you've thought about about that's the only thing that you know I I rent out you know short term and long term, so it just kind of screws it up when someone wants to leave like in the middle of the month, and I have these two weeks that I can't do nothing with. Do you have any solutions to that? Right. So companies, uh, what's so great about working with a company, and that's why we we really built our platform to be more of a business to business uh, model is that businesses understand contracts very clearly. Mm -hmm. And these OTA platforms have these terms of services agreements that nobody reads. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they have these ideas in their heads. Oh, I can just leave early if I want to. Like, oh, the project is over 10 days. Let's, let's go home. I don't, we, don't, we don't need to stay here. And, and then they, they try to ask for their money back or whatever. But when they actually have to sign like real contracts. The office administrators are like, the unit's paid for guys. Like 
<laughs> if you want to stay a little bit longer, you can. And, and we had to prove that in our own model here in Reno. Okay. We actually had to put uh, provisions in the contracts that said, hey, if, if you do really want this, there is an early termination fee. And that's the kind of language they're used to seeing in other contracts mm. in, by other industries. But for some reason, the travel industry is so bent on pleasing or over-pleasing guests that they're losing the, the relationship of the host. It's like at the host expense, right? Mm -hmm. So we want to be the first platform that really puts the host first, like, like you guys are first position. And these companies have to play by your rules. And like early termination, early exit has a fee. There's a fee or, you know, there's, there's no refund. And here it is. Here's what the, and this is what the contract you sign. Mm. And that's the way to get around these issues. But companies are really easy to work with on that. It's the individuals that are not. I like that. Because if someone signs a three-month lease at Airbnb, all they have to do is bring in some cockroaches, throw them on the ground, take some pictures, oh, and they'll and, get and out of that. That's a travesty. <laughs> I got to tell you, we, we're working on a totally new review system that, number one, does not have an algorithm attached to it. But two, it's based on badges. And, you know, you earn badges. And you don't have to go through this, like, Re, I call it the revenge review yeah. where it's like, oh, I mean, right now I could book an Airbnb, stay the entire time, not complain about anything. And like you said, pick up a bug outside, take a picture of it, my unit and Airbnb will take the money from you and give it right back to them. Like that's not sustainable for us. Yeah. We wanted our platform to, you know, leave the business man like management like that up to the host, the host. i love this man uh, <laughs> that airbnb reference is 100 percent true for anybody who's new to hosting i don't want to turn you off but that is 100 percent fact what he just said so <laughs> i love that y'all are doing that because yeah y'all are y'all are hitting my pinpoints that i have with my anger towards airbnb well we're, we're we're hosts too i mean we know the pain points right it's mm. not sustainable for us to have this illusion that we're going to average 65% to 90 something percent year over year when Airbnb is just like believing anything they say and just be like, no, we're going to take that money from you. Like what? Like mm. you're, you're messing up my numbers, right? How am I going to have sustainable growth year to date, year after year, property after property, if all they have to do is say the, the littlest white lie and you're going to give them 100% of their money back. And then on top of that, potentially then deplatform me, which then I have to go and make a fake account or another account or a backup account. Like what kind of platform are you running here? Our review system is supposed <clears throat> to, or on WorkBNB is supposed to ultimately help your business, not heard it right so um and also the training that we help provide should help them you know help people not make the same mistakes that you would starting on a, on the lead platform yeah <laughs> i love it 
Nice, nice. So, so what, what would be some tips for for people that are going to be on your platform to set up their places to to more accommodate longer longer stays? Yes. So, well, first first step is whew, we are going to roll out the home telier certification soon. So that was inspired by you know my own experiences working out in a lot of different industries where I had to get some sort of certification, right? Like I just, you couldn't just get a job in certain things. And hospitality is just one of those things where it's like, there's some really big fundamentals that you really need to learn. And unfortunately I had this incident happen with my mom. I'm going to tell you guys a quick story. So um, my mom was running a very large operation. We had 40 something plus units, you know, all over Reno. And we attracted a CEO who was relocating to the area to take a job. He was hired. He was the uh, former chief marketing officer for Visit Anaheim. And he was taking a CEO role here in Reno for uh, Visit Reno Tahoe. It's like the, the marketing agency that markets the area. And Everything was fine. The guy was like, you know, very like, like high level. His company paid the rent. He was moving from Anaheim, but he's very bougie. And he was asking for a ton of, sh a ton of shit. Like, I mean, just like every day. And, and he was picky too. He didn't like the color red. He didn't like, you know, anything Christmas related at the time he was coming at Christmas. So he was like, take all those lights down. Oh, My man. mom had red dishes in the unit. He's like, take that out. I don't want anything <laughs> red. It just pissed her off. And it got to the point where she had built up some animosity towards him. And it, it just got to the point where it's just like, she, she turned off the hospitality side. She was no longer nice to him. The interactions were just not, you know, befitting what a professional short-term operation should be. And it's because she didn't take any hospitality training at all. She just got into this and grew in this, right? And when you when you get like Airbnb super hosts, I think it also puts like a chip on your shoulder where you feel like I'm the shit and, you know, <laughs> my way, it should be my way or the highway. But I got to tell you, you know, these hotel managers, these hotel operations, they invest in hospitality training. They hire based on hospitality training. They engage with all kinds of, of, of courses and conventions and, and the short-term rental industry does not. Like if Airbnb was to put out a certification, it would go crazy. Like it would, it would just be like, oh my God, I need to get Airbnb certified, but, but they don't care because they're quick to list. They're all about growth. They, they just want to hit this hockey stick and they don't care who gets hurt all the way up the stick, right? Mm. They don't care if you fall off as a super host. They don't care if they lose their best guest that was using them for like six years in a row. They're always about this growth. So for us, we had to sit back and say, you know what, let's focus on this certification and we're going to put it out there for the early beta testers of the app. So next, uh, actually it's December, we're scheduled to start beta testing the app um, and 
those early beta testers, man, they're going to, they're going to have to get certified. They will get a certificate to put on the wall and say, I was the first one, which is going to be cool. And they're going to be the first to get those, those test bookings. And we have companies lined up. I've been working like all year. It's crazy. Uh, right now I'm connected with over 113 CEOs with different tech companies, construction companies, engineering firms. Um, they're going to beta test and do real booking transactions in December. And then going into January, 2022, we're going to launch at CES, the consumer electronics show in Las Vegas. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh nice. man. If my wife wasn't pregnant, I'd, I'd be out there. That's dope. <laughs> That's dope. So, so, I mean, you know, this is, this is great. You're talking about the industry, you know, the rental industry, of course, but you, you're building a business. So, and, and a lot of people, you know, that's what we're trying to do with our, with our short-term rental um, companies that we have, short-term rental, long-term rental, whatever. Um, what, are, what are some tips? How are you able to do all this? How are you able to talk to 150 CEOs? And, and, and how, are you, how are you able to outsource things? I'm sure you have, you have to keep money rolling in, right? Yeah, you're your host. Okay. I mean, you um, manage other people's units, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, we're, we're managing other units right now, which is really great. I mean, co-hosting is a lot of fun. I mean, you're going to yeah. learn a lot co-hosting. I mean, and, and I mean, really, there's so many people that are getting into this business that are still working a W-2 job. So they can't do the, like the day-to-day stuff. Like they're too busy with their job. They got to go home. They got to cook. You know, they got dogs and got to walk the dog. And <laughs> so, so the co-hosting market is very like robust and lots of opportunity. But the, but again, the issues that come along with all of the business is challenging. So, you know, we, we, we've received four star reviews that were just not warranted just because somebody was in spite of like one little thing. I mean, like we, we experience it too. I mean, it's not fun, you know, to get like these lower reviews, but, but the other thing that we do that's really important is we also right now take this development time to mentor individual short-term rental operators to get into this lane now. Like, just get in now. Like, don't wait for us to launch WorkBnB because, you know, there's going to be bugs in the first few months, you know, those little glitches and, you know. So it's like, hey, traveling workers are, are happening now. Corporate relocations, I mean, guys, you know, you got Tesla coming to Texas. I mean, <laughs> you got... Uh, AECOM, which is one of the top general contractor, industrial general contractors, relocating from LA to Dallas. Like there's going to be migration patterns happening as we're still building this platform. So, so I'm spending a lot of time right now mentoring hosts that want to transition and pivot today and that's how we've been bringing in money so that we're not starving artists. You know what I mean? That's nice. So, so that being said, you know, start your journey now. You're still building the platform and everything. Um, what are some, do y'all know some like uh, great ways to, 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 to get the yes from, you know, to get the, from, from complexes, from individual owners of houses or to, to be able to do rental arbitrage, to be able yeah. to service these people. I mean, keywords, keywords, number one, 
you know, change up your vernacular, like stop saying vacation rentals, stop saying Airbnb, stop, 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 stop. Start saying things that are palatable right now, such as like corporate relocation or corporate relocation expert. Um, workations. So, yeah, use the term workations the in, term. Your, in your blogs. You know, uh, I, I wrote an article on LinkedIn the other day, uh, Reno's top three um, short-term rentals for remote workations. And I gotta tell you the readership from the target that I was looking for is up. I mean, over 115 uh, founders and executives have read the article because it was written for them. Mm. You know, it's, it's the keywords that they're looking for. So you have to like get out of this mindset that vacations is the only way to make money. Um, Another term, like I said, workforce rentals. If you start calling your products workforce rentals, watch the attitudes change. Watch people's ears pick up and go, okay, tell me more. And, and now here's the thing. You do have to work them down a sales cycle. Corporations are a little bit different. Sometimes there's two people that need to approve a deal. Okay. So it's not going to happen in like one day. It may take five days, but once you get that $60,000 wire transfer, are you going to complain? <laughs> no. I'm good. No. I guess like, also, like I said, uh, and Mike has been, tra- you know, transitioning to just houses. He wants to do mostly houses. Me too. I'm looking for houses as well to rent and do rental arbitrage. And, and here's the thing that this, that never, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's like a, kind of a recent phenomenon in my eyes because back in the day i could talk to i'll call the owner of the house hey can i rent your house oh and i'm gonna do this okay sure now it's like zillow owns these houses open door owns these houses i mean these companies and they they have strict rules against it you know and they're they're snapping up all these houses and then they're the ones that are renting them out it's crazy well here here's the thing guys you got to understand that innovation happens in cycles right and real estate was due, it was actually overdue for some innovation. And right now there are several startups where their whole business model is to go and buy properties in fractions. And they do this fractional ownership model. And you're absolutely right. They go out and rent the properties themselves. And that's their, but they're building like a corporation based on this. And they, so, so it is competitive. But again, get in with the Builders Association. Like, just pay the membership. You are going to meet builders who went and got undesirable properties and put the money in, got a loan or whatever, to start the flipping process. And they are willing to, like, work with you. Like, as long as you get in before the big guys do. Mm. I like that. Yeah, drop us some knowledge today, Micah. Oh yeah, I'm, I've already got AECOM. I'm already hitting them up on LinkedIn, man. I've I've already got the whole. You see that, right? Did you see the article? Yeah, I already looked it all up. So yeah, man. I'm, uh... Relocations, guys. I got to tell you, it's a it's a big pocket. It's a big thing. They and here's the funny part. There's not a playbook on how to move company headquarters. In fact, the traditional pattern of moving headquarters is based on what's called a site 
selection um, or a site visit. So what they do is they send these executives to go to wherever they're going to move. And they're like, okay, this is the plot of land, or this is the industrial building or the office building we're going to move our company to. But the housing part, they never figure out before they move. They actually like spend all their time and energy moving the company. But then when the employees come to the place, they're like, well, where do we find temporary housing? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's, that's exactly true. true, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm man, corporate relocation workforce. Yeah, I mean, it, think about I got this. It all if your market down. is hot, it takes, what, three, six months to buy a house, you know, get accepted. You know, you have a 30-day a escrow. We're talking months. And that is a very good thing you can be into business you can be into right now is housing people that are relocating because they can't buy houses. They're sitting there, sitting in Airbnbs or wherever they're at because that is a huge market right now as well, man. Right. You know your stuff. You know your stuff. <laughs> I'm about to definitely be in touch with you. Y'all, y'all killing it. Thank you. So, so, all right, cool. So where can folks find you right now to get in touch with you? So we're on everywhere, everything. <laughs> um, we have work BNB app on Instagram, uh, on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, my handle is work BNB prez um, on president on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. I'm work BNB CEO. That's my handle. Um, and you know, here's the thing. Uh, it depends on what you need help with right now. Like if you, if you need mentorship, I have spaces available in my mentorship. And here's the thing. I'm not teaching anybody what you can already learn for free online. Like that's not what I'm focused on. What I'm focused on is PR marketing advertising. Cause that's my background. I know how to do that. So I'm teaching more business development, how to talk to companies, how to talk to CEOs. Cause right now, I mean, I'm connected to two CEOs of two different hospitals, right? Mm -hmm. Like you guys deal with traveling nurses, right? Mm -hmm. Like I will teach you how to work with a CEO so that when he hires a new chief clinical officer or whatever, you can get the top dog to actually stay in your rental, let alone a traveling nurse. Nice. Nice. Nice, man. I'm liking what I'm hearing. Yeah. I've been, um, been wanting to pivot to, to doing the longer stays, you know, mostly cause it's just, it's oh, so much easier. So You're much less headache, it. great You're money. Love it. The hands off the guys always just, you know, pumping you up being like, Oh my God, I love your place. Right. <laughs> um, so like, okay. How many people have tried to buy that name from you? Workbnb.com. Do you own the domain? Uh, you know, not yet. And and here's the thing. I, and I wanted I wanted this opportunity to be full disclosure. Okay. So when I was coming up with the name, the original name wasn't that. It was like workforcerentals.com. Okay. And it was just because we were trying to just capture that product name, right? And when work BNB hit me, I think it was like I was in the shower or something, and I was like, work BNB. Oh my God. And I went on to buy the domain and it was bought by somebody. And I was like, what? And I looked it up and it was a little Italian startup um, who bought 
the domain back in like 2019. And he would, the, the, the entrepreneur was desperately trying to get off the ground a platform for digital nomads. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just made like a fundamental mistake, which is like, if you have an idea, go through the process of like supporting that this is like a viable idea. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing that, you know, he took like all the domains for work BNB. And what we had to do was we had to buy work BNB app dot com and oh, app dot okay. net and app and app and app and it's because what we have learned is that just because somebody buys it doesn't mean they're actually going to succeed and that's what ended up happening his his company like stopped you know posting it stopped operating i couldn't reach him you know because i was trying to reach him to buy it i was like hey dude if you're not gonna do anything with it just give it to me i'll buy it from you but, um, but essentially we just couldn't wait anymore. And once we did our patent search and our, in our trademark search, that's where we went for the jugular there. So that's wow. funny. You went through that. Cause, uh, that, that's what happened with my company. Uh, somebody bought, no, no, the dude bought like everything around share B and B, but right. he never bought the domain. Cause the, it had a, I paid a pretty hefty tag for it but you know so yeah i had to kind of go through that too but this company still exists over in europe but i don't think they move as much ever since i kind of dominated that's the thing it, it you know it's 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 not uncommon to have many companies the same name it's not uncommon i mean look at i'm going to give you the most recent example of robin hood right the the ceo of robin hood has nothing to do with the app like this guy runs like some nonprofit. <laughs> and when Robin Hood app, remember when it was like doing that weird uh, stock thing with um, GameStop. GameStop, right? <laughs> and Robin Hood was trending. He was like, wrong Robin Hood, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, so, so their handle is Robin Hood app. Mm, and that's I didn't we, know that. That's where we just decided. We were like, well, our product is going to be actually two apps yeah. there's the guest app and then there's going to be the home telier app and the guest app is really going to focus on what they need so one thing that's super cool that we were able to do since we did this strategy was we built into the work bnb app a uh, a uh, an ai assistant tool so you will be able to talk to the app to search instead of typing. And her name is Vesa. Yeah, her name is Vesa. <laughs> nice. So, so, but we, we were able to, you know, again, get our trademark so that we could trademark our intellectual property. And that's the main thing. That's, dope, that's man. cool, man. Yeah. This is great, great info. Thanks for hopping on. Um, Anything else you'd like to say to inspire some people out there that are, that are wanting to get in and, and do this, the, the longer term stays? Uh, thank you guys for having us. And um, one thing I just want to say is this industry, getting into the short-term indus rental industry changed my entire life. 
being uh, presented the opportunity to be president of this app is also life-changing. Um, we are going to be releasing an ebook soon, a super quick read about our journey and my journey and what uh, uh, made us decide to really do this thing. Right. And, you know, the main thing is that the book is going to give a lot of practical tips, advice, but also data. It's like we should stop trying to make decisions without data. Like, you know, all the big companies have access to data. You know, we are buying data for our platform. So, I mean, when you buy rights to data, you have rights to share it. You know, there's, there's certain rights that you have. So, you know, we're gonna make sure that some of this data is accessible so that you can understand what's going on with the trends. Because again, there are trend patterns. And one of the coolest things that's trending right now is companies making remote work permanent. Microsoft did it just last month. Amazon is doing it now too. So there's going to be these years. I mean, we're going to experience years of travel patterns from remote workers coming up soon. Nice. Nice. Thank y'all for hopping on again. And y'all, y'all go check these, these wonderful people out. Yves Perez and Dajanique at workbnbapp.com. Hit them up. Yes. And get on there, get it going. We can't wait to, to be part of this, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much. And just look out for all of our posts. We'll keep posting, okay? Good. All thank right. you. All right. <laughs> all right. Talk to you guys soon. All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. Later. Oh, that was a really good app. I learned a lot. Um, I really was interested in how he gets in touch with these top execs. I was like, that's like that whole board behind me, if I flip it, that's basically what my whole vision is. So I'm definitely got some homework to do. I love that model. For yeah, sure. you got to go to the top, man. That's that's what I'm. <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm learning, man. Because you uh, said, okay, back in the day, you could you could you could go to the bottom or the middle, you know, and get some score some houses, some you know arbitrages. It's no big deal. But now it's it's all it, the corporations are buying up everything, man. You got to get you got to talk to the heads of the heads of the corporations because they're owning everything, right? Yeah, I mean, with this buying spree, they, I mean, they got all this endless money that they're, they're printing. They're getting endless money from the government. Go out there. So they're snapping up all the damn inventory. Man. It's, it's got to go find. Yeah, you got to go create deals. You got to create deals and you got to talk to the ones in charge. And, and I, I can I mean, OK, I used to be able to talk to an agent, maybe not anymore because agents hands are tied. Well, open door owns these houses i can't you know and it's against their policy for subleasing that's all they just give me the, the you know the company line and so i guess i gotta go to open door and talk to some people up there i gotta go to zillow and talk to some people up there hey any houses well that's the thing too there's bidding wars to rent houses now not only just to buy them they're bidding wars to freaking rent these houses man it's crazy i wish i would have <laughs> known that a few months back when i rented mine but um i i Mike Brown did tell me, hold out for two thousand a month. I was like, damn, two thousand. They're paying two thousand a month to rent a house, long regular, long term, where they furnish it themselves. Oh yeah, Heck yeah. And so it's just rents are going crazy. They're fighting. To, people are fighting to get into houses, man. So it's um, it's a crazy world out there. So, but it's it's cool to. There's there's always ways to make money, man. There's always ways to make money. I would say, man, just buy them. Yeah, what a that's buying the thing. spree that's <laughs> how many are you buying right now right now I'm, I'm i'm still like i'm cold calling today door knocking 
You just got to start going old school and start calling and going and getting them. Are you That's still using? Way. Are you still trying to use Wells Fargo for everything? No, man, I'm doing hard money. <laughs> hard money and, uh, I'm doing like I'm I'm full blown real estate investing game right now. Like I'm doing hard money refinance out of it. Okay. Yeah, man. Okay. Like that. Like that's the way to go. Like if, especially if you're having all these bit. You, at the end of the day, man, we're a minority podcast. Let's just keep it a hundred. At the end of the day, you gotta own some shit. At the end of the day, like mm-hmm. I tell people, yeah, it's cool for some people that don't look like us to sit here and talk about arbitrage. Yeah, that's a good cash flow play, but don't talk about your community and neighborhood and shit. And you don't own shit up in it. Mm. At the end of the day, like you gotta. I kind of had to bring my passion out a little bit. You got to own some shit. Like at the end of the day, you can't sit here. Well, they're doing this, but you don't control the taxes, the eco- economics in that neighborhood or anything else. You got to own businesses and buildings. That's the truth, man. And, and um, as my, as my buddy from work, Wayne says, there's money in the hood. That too. And it's, it's money in the suburbs too. There's money everywhere. You just got to go create it. Uh, that's true. That's true. Um, and I, and on that, on that, man, because for example, I, I, I got four houses through Wells Fargo, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, and I've told you, I'm working to buy this um, townhouse from a friend of mine, right? From work. Okay, call Wells Fargo up. Should be a smooth transition. No, man, it's been a freaking headache. First of all, I, you know, they, they, don't like to, they don't like to deal with condos and townhouses, right? They don't like to do that. They want to do single family. Single families all day, they'll, yeah, they're all right. But, but I'm, I was having trouble with these, with these, um, trying to trying to buy my buddy's townhouse with them because they just wanted more and more stuff more and more stuff okay well if you raise the down payment if you do this if you have this much in reserves i mean all this crazy shit right and they say oh it might be not warranted they call it non-warranted non-warrantable if if a condo or townhouse is um if they have if if the owners are are are, if it's over 50 percent that are not owner occupied they consider that you know group of condos or 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 townhouses non-warrantable so they're gonna need more you know you're gonna need more owners i'm like what are you you want to just pay this whole fucking freaking thing in cash man you know say what do you want from me that's what i was gonna say and and, um and i had a good talk with uh with our buddy uh from the show will smith you know he he was on the show a few and he's the condo spec i was like you know what am i doing i'm gonna call the guy that does condos right and so I called him, had a great talk with him. And, and how you mentioned, you know, how you mentioned we're, we're yeah, we're a minority podcast. We, we, we interview mostly minorities. We love everybody, but it just happens that, you know, they, a lot of minorities come on our show and it's cool. And he said, yeah, you know, you just, um, you got to find creative ways to pick up these houses and these are these condos. And, and it's just, it's just how the system is. He said, in a way he was saying the system wasn't built for us, you know, it's built for <laughs> It's built for the classes that had money and they could, you know, keep buying everything. And, and we're kind of, you know, kind of kind of were shut out for a long time. But there there are ways to do it. And like you said, you mentioned hard money and then there's private money. You know, there's 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 a few different things. And so and so that's what that's what uh, the route I'm looking to go to. I mean, you, I guess the key is getting your foot in the door, right? Getting your foot in the door is just doing it, man. It's just yeah. doing it. I tell people this, man, success is on the other side of hard. That's basically what it is. Like right now, it's hard to get a deal on a house. Like right now, you're having financing, funding issues. So I don't know if you know, but I basically on November 5th, I'm putting in my two weeks. And I basically wrote down all my fears. And one of the fears I had was getting loans, right? So Mm. I said, well, let me do bank statement loans. How do I get funding? I put hard money up here. 
HELOCs, VLOCs, PLOCs. I've already built all this stuff up. Mm-hmm. But I think right now what I would do, like you're trying to buy a tiny house, right? Mm-hmm. Use hard money. Does it need any work? No, it don't need no work. And, and I, I, I was thinking, actually, I have a hard money guy lined up. Give me the money for it, right? Yeah. The thing is, and I looked into it and I thought about it really hard and, and it was, um, <clears throat> it's going to be a nice chunk of change to get in, you know, the whatever. It was going to be a nice chunk of change to get in because of the fees and stuff. And plus it was going to be like 12% interest. And I know I can get in there. I already got a renter in there and, I, and everything would be, it'd be okay. You know, I wouldn't make very much money because of how high the, the mortgage would be because I had a 12% interest would be pretty high. But, and I was like, well, you know, how about, I because here's how I see the hard money really helps us because this owner of the house wants to sell it quickly and we don't want to lose this deal. Hey, can y'all close this thing? You know, in two weeks, can you, can you buy this thing? Oh, that's where you, and it's a screaming hot deal. Yeah. Use hard money and get in there and get that deal. Right. How much equity are you walking into this deal with? Now I'm buying it for 92.5, right? 92,500. And I think it's worth 120 to 125, just from what's selling around there. And did you run comps on it? I did. There's the two bedrooms are selling for around uh, 115 to 120. So I'm thinking this is a three bedroom, three bath. So it's it's got to be worth more than that. But I'll just be conservative and say it's around the same range, whatever, same area, whatever. Wells Fargo did an appraisal. They appraised it at 110. That was their appraiser, you know. So it is. I'm walking into it. Pay 92.5 and it's walk away. It's not a good deal. 110. Well, it's not enough equity. No, it's not a good deal. If you ain't buying, buying it, at, if you're not buying it, like right now in this market, if you're not buying at 70%, it's not a good deal. If you can't put work into it, because, okay, I guarantee you this. Mm-hmm. If you were to buy that house cash or mm-hmm. with a hard money lender and they had equity, mm-hmm. I guarantee Wells Fargo would be throwing money at you. On a right, refinance, right. you'd be like, "Hey, let me refinance." Right, right, right. You, you okay. like right now. We have to look at it like you have to start buying good real estate deals. Well, like, see, the, real quick. Let me, let me, let me make a point because even at ninety two five, I buy ninety two five, and realistically, not the Wells Fargo one ten mark, but I can get one twenty five for it. That's 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 a pretty good spread, right? How much money that's you almost, come out of that's, pocket? That's well, if I buy it through Wells Fargo, it's going to be twenty twenty five percent out of pocket. Not a good deal. Even if I flipped it, it wouldn't be that good of a deal. How are you going to flip it? You just put down 20% to get it. What are you flipping? No. Well, you said it needs no work. And it's worth, and the bank's appraising it at 110? Still make a little bit of money off it, no? No, man. Even if, look, let me run the number. I'll just run the number for you right now. So you're telling me it needs, it's worth. 125. Let's say 125. 125, you're dropping 20% of 120. Uh, no, they're, they're appraising it at 110. So they're only going to give you 80, 80%, 20% down? Yeah, let's just say 20% just to keep it clean of 92.5. Because I'm, I'm buying it for 92.5. Okay, so 92.5 times. No, no, no. Let's just do it this way 110 times 0.2. 22,000, right? That's mm-hmm. what you would normally have to come out, but you're buying it at ninety two, ninety two thousand five hundred dollars. Let's run the numbers again. Then. So let's. So twenty percent of that. No, no, no. 
why don't you just do if it's worth 110 and you're buying it at 92 if they're going to make you put down are they saying they want 20% off the 92 yeah 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 you might have to negotiate but you're still dropping 185 yeah but when i sell it i'll get that back plus when do you the... plan on selling it I'm just saying you wouldn't think this is a, a good deal right now. Buying it for 925 if I could sell it the next day for 125 You don't think that's, that's a good deal. I'm gonna tell you that's what, that's a thirty thousand, that's a twenty thousand dollar profit. You just dropped 18, right? 10, let me let me tell you what my mentor just thirty thousand dollar profit. My mentor Thatch told me this. In this time when the housing market's crazy high, you're dropping twenty percent when you can go get a better deal. Buy door knocking at 70%, bring no money out of pocket, burr it. Can't beat that. Dropping, like the, I've been telling people, man, I, I, I would not drop 20% on any deal right now. There's no way. Because you, you're dropping eight. Why would I come out of pocket 18,500 and I can go get a deal where I can come out of pocket zero? And the bank's already giving you hell. Right. Banks, right, don't, right. banks don't give hell on a property that owes no money. Banks don't give hell on refinance. They love that all day. That's why right, they were stopping right. all these loans and stuff. They want refinance money. What about, are they still doing um, like home equity lines of credit? Are they doing that still? Yeah. I thought you said they're, Wells Fargo was shutting all that down. Wells Fargo shut it down, go to another bank. It's a whole bunch of banks out there. Like I know yeah. uh, BBVA or PNC, they're doing them. Yeah, like oh, right okay. now, man, to come out of pocket 18,000, yeah, 18,000 to me is, that's like six houses. That's like six houses to me from how right. I live there. That's like six houses. Because you're getting them with the hard money and you're fixing them up and then you finance out. Yes. If there is no val if there is no forced value or value add opportunity, I wouldn't buy right now. Especially if you can short-term rent it. Because like this sounds like this place is gonna be mainly corporate. But if you can short-term rent it in that short-term rent it and add value, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm actually, I got a sticker right now of one of my uh, guys that I'm going, I'm actually dropping this note off on a dude's door tomorrow to see if I can buy his house. Cause like, that's, that's what the hard shit that people ain't doing, like door knocking, cold calling. Mm -hmm. That's where the money is, man. That's, what that's true. That's true. The harder it is, the, the more profitable it'll be. Yeah. But that so, deal, I'd, I'd like to see more meat on the bone. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's a decent deal. And it kind of just fell on my lap kind of thing. So I thought, ah, just go try it out. And, um, but you're right. The, the, the hard money, you know, you got to pay points on that. You got to put how much, how much, yeah. How much do you have to put down on a house? You buying it at hard money. Usually 10%. But what I would ask is, okay, if the house is worth 110, but you're paying 92,500, why don't you put down, what's the difference between that? 17,500? Oh, the difference between, oh, yeah. So between the ninety-two-five and the and the hundred and ten, you know what we're talking about? Yeah. So why don't you just put down the difference? So therefore, it wouldn't come out to twenty percent. Why don't you negotiate it? What do you mean? What do you mean? Put down. So the house is worth one ten, right? But you're buying according it according to a, them. Yeah, according to them. But you're buying it at a discount of what? At ninety-two. So that's like a seventeen thousand yeah, five hundred dollars. Seventeen thousand five hundred dollars in equity I'd have day one. Yeah, 
So why don't you, instead of coming out at 20%, come out the difference? What's the difference on that, the percentage? Because you're already, because oh. remember, they, they loan based on the loan to value. You know what I'm saying? The value of the property is 110. They would usually say, okay, this house is worth 110. We need 20%, but the house is, you're buying the house at 92.5. Okay. Okay. I see. I kind of, I see. What, okay. I kind of see what you're saying, but I always thought that uh, going through Wells Fargo or something like that, if I need 92,500 from them, they're going to give me, you know, 80% of that money. I got to come up no. with the other 20%. Oh, sir. Everything in real estate is negotiable, but you got to go to a different bank. Go to a small yeah, bank. Yeah, they, they won't. Wells Fargo won't negotiate. I've, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> I've, what I'm saying. You, you got to go to small local banks if you're trying to pull something. Right, right. Yeah, I wouldn't. So, that, so that was my whole moral of the story. Through through Will Smith, I was able to to talk to one of his his guys, his closers. I can close any any condo, you know, any type. And he, I mean, he explained the whole game to me. Real cool guy. So, um, so shout out to Will Smith for that. And, um, so, so yeah, that's that's what I'm I'm doing right now. Like, I could probably get it closed in a couple of weeks with this guy because he knows he knows how to he knows how to submit everything. He's not a Wells Fargo. He, this is what his, this is his specialty. So, um, so knowledge is power. I do have, I do have a, a good hookup on the, on the, um, hard money when I, when I am going to go that right. When you want to, you know, do uh, value add or, or, you know, fix it up, um, do put some equity into it. You know, hard money is the way to go. If that's what so how much are you dropping now? Did he lower your down payment? No, this guy. No, it's, it's it's about the same. The twenty percent. He's he's he wants to do it a, a conventional conventional loan. Yeah, man, yeah. you should talk to some people because you shouldn't have to put down twenty percent if your loan to value is not your loan to value ain't that high. Okay. Got to learn, yeah, man. Got to learn how to keep your money in your pocket. I know, I know, and I've always done it that way by you know house hacking. You know, hopping to the next one to the next one, three percent down every time. It's a beautiful thing, but but um, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. So you got how many how many houses you got in the works? Right now, I'm trying to get. I got a, a meeting on Sunday for two. This guy owns two, and then I'm trying to get in touch with this guy down in Mansfield. So three right now, and but possibly four. One on the same block is the one I'm going to look at on Sunday. So just working them, man. Trying to work and trying to get appointments and trying to see what deals I can make. You still buying in Arkansas? Uh, yeah, I'm buying in Arkansas a little bit, but only big deals I buy in Arkansas are the ones that fall in my lap, kind of those, those pocket deals that someone sends me. But mainly mm. I'm doing farm areas around here in, in this area. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. Well, cool, That's man. Cool. This is a great show. Uh, thanks for tuning in. And, um, yeah, hit us up. Live, let thrive at gmail.com and live that thrive.com all that stuff hit us uh thanks for thanks for continuing to listen to our show it's, it's been a great journey and we continue we yeah we're gonna keep going yeah definitely follow us on ig and y'all thank y'all for continuing to listen to us it's been a great journey man and steve's right his journey's been awesome man thank y'all y'all out peace later thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of live let thrive Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.